In the last interview I did with Kamala, she mentions going to India and going to jail. However, she left out a lot of very interesting stuff which happened around that time, which she's going to explain here. My memory of that time is so, though, that Baba was actually more available to us when he would leave his house. He was closer. You could look in his eyes more. I actually took some photographs of Baba in one of those early walks, which I had for a long time and then lost, but um, you weren't supposed to, but I managed to do that. After a, um, Anyway, after a few days, uh, Dada Jyoti Rupananda, who actually wasn't a Dada then, but he was also an American uh, Margie that I knew said that he was going to Ananda Nagar and did I want to come? And I was supposed to be staying at this hostel, but I wanted to go to Ananda Nagar. And so um, early one morning I arranged to meet Dada and so I left. I, I took my luggage out of the hostel and I had to sign something and tell the guard that I was and I So I said I was leaving India, but I actually wasn't. Um, so we left and we went to uh, took the train to Ananda Nagar and it had started to be the rainy season so that was also quite a um, I guess quite a tough and sort of disappointing experience because Ananda Nagar at that time was pretty bombed out like it had been destroyed a lot during the emergency and most of the buildings were kind of in ruins um, and I was I didn't know how to actually how to bathe in public spaces and uh, I got a little sick and Adada got quite sick and everything was very muddy and very wet and that's how what used to happen at the rainy season was that everything just turned into complete mud. And so that was, um, after not a lot of days at Ananda Nagar, I was kind of ready to go home and I, to leave, and I was actually ready to leave India by now, and I wanted to go to the very first Global Prank Conference, which was being held in Rennes, France. And Rennes, France is where, as it happens, I was initiated while I was um, doing a school year abroad program. So I was very excited to um, take my ticket that I had already purchased and fly from India to France and attend this first Global Prout Conference. Uh, so then we went back to Calcutta and at that time you needed to confirm your flight at the Air India office in Calcutta before you flew. And I kind of was aware that I had not told, that I needed to be a little bit secret about that I guess I must have had my passport. I actually don't quite remember how all that worked, but uh, it was a Friday afternoon and I was going to the Air India office and uh, one thing that happened was that when I came there the guy that was working there said ah oh, it's w when he saw my passport name or something he said oh it's you he said the police have been every day looking for you here and then he said ah oh, I know about you Ananda Marga he said I have been a communist um, and we were meeting with the Prout people. The Prout people want to make India into a, like, a, like a patchwork quilt of so many different countries. He was uh, referring to the Samaj movement. And we would have worked with them, but they wouldn't work with us. Something like that he was saying. And it was interesting just to meet someone who actually had uh, known Ananda Marga. So I guess I got my ticket confirmed, but it must have been coming out of the um, Air India office that I was then arrested by the police. And... Um, I guess, I, I actually don't remember, but maybe because I had said I was leaving or because whatever it was, or because I'd gotten to see Baba now, uh, th then they took me into the police station and um, the first night they put me in a, in a, like a, 
police jail. Um, and I had all my bags with me at that time. Yeah, I had everything with me. And I was, uh, so that first night I was put in like a, a, women's, a women's jail. And that was always already interesting because uh, it was a little bit, you know, it was a little bit scary. But there were two young women. They put me in. There was uh, somehow like more common common cases, and then there was a slightly nicer cell. And I was with these two young women who were 18 and 19 years old, who were nicely dressed and very friendly. And um, they told they sort of they didn't speak much English, but we somehow managed to communicate, and maybe with the help of the guard, that they were love marriage case. And that they were had been um, married or had boyfriends against their in one case the father in the other case the older brother's will and they were being sent to prison for this and they showed me pictures of their boyfriends but they were they were quite cheerful and they did I learned my first thing about Bengali culture which was that they asked me to me nach koro to me gan koro which is do you know how to dance and do you know how to sing and that night we they showed me their dances and songs and I tried to teach them the jitterbug and. It was interesting, but by the next day I was ready to ready to go. But they took me again to the police station, and then there was a long process where they were going through all my all my items, and I guess that would be to keep them safely in storage. They were listing everything that was in my bags, and writing it down on a big, you know, piece of paper. And there were a whole bunch of police station policemen sitting at a table, and so I took out a couple of Baba's books that I had, and I started reading something like Subhasita Sangraha, and. Um, the head inspector said, oh, can I read one of those books too? And so I remember handing him Human Society Part 1 and Subhasita Sangraha, and we both sat together at the table and we read. And then when they had finished all of that, um, they were actually getting ready to take me to the, to the prison. He stood up at his desk with his hands on his desk and he said, tell me, ah, tell me no matter what, you will not give up your ideology. Um, and I had I had given him those two books and said he could keep them. Who knows what came from that? Uh, so then um, they were taking me to the Calcutta Presidency Jail, and along the way, then I said that I wanted to speak to a lawyer. And uh, at some point, they they gave me a I remember a two-page type list of of lawyers who spoke English or something who worked in this kind of case in Calcutta. And I remember just saying my guru mantra and putting my finger on one. And the lawyer that I ended up getting was someone who had worked maybe as like an apprentice or when he was first learning had been part of Baba's case. Um, so he was familiar with Ananda Marga, so he turned out to be a good choice. Uh, so that day they took me to the Calcutta Presidency Jail, which I remember it had like six sections. It was really big. Um, and for women, there was the women's, regular women's section, and then there was the criminally insane or women who were uh, mentally unwell. I can't remember how it was called. Um, and then there were other sections for men, probably different levels of violence or something. And it was a big, big place. And, um, it, you know, it was a little, a little freaky, despite having sort of a certain confidence and naivete from being young. Um, but it was funny, because when you come into the prison, then there's long lines of people, and then they're checking in who you are, and they say, your name and your father's name, your name and your father's name, and they'd say that to each person. And so what you heard was, Nam, Baba Nam, Nam, Baba Nam. That's how you say that in sense in Bengali. And um, also for me, ah, oh, <laughs> Baba Nam Kevalam. Um, 
So I remember getting there to the prison, the compound, the women's compound, uh, fairly late in the afternoon and a little bit overwhelmed. This compound had about 300 women, and it was a, it was a compound, so they were like lock-up areas uh, that were open, most of them open during the day. Women could move around the compound, then they were locked in at night, and they kept me in the um, small, you know, it was a, a fairly a decent little building, like a big room, uh, that was the hospital, and it had fans and beds, which was more comfortable. And they just kept me there, um, which was kind, because it was more comfortable. Uh, and I remember just they sat me down in a chair, and I actually started crying. And <laughs> the women were really nice and brought me tea and biscuits. And uh, Always in India, um, I was, I had a reversed racist privilege because I looked quite a lot Indian with dark hair. But because I had white skin, uh, I looked, I guess, like a movie star or an upper-class Indian, and people tended to treat me really well. And I remember right from the beginning, women would stroke their own skin, which was beautiful and shiny and dark and, and say, kalo or uh, black. And I, and I just found it so um, shocking that women didn't find themselves beautiful, as beautiful as they were. But um, that did help me in, in jail, just to be well-treated. So I ended up spending two weeks in the Calcutta Presidency jail. And as I said, I had this desire to learn Bengali and to get to know Indian women. And that's what I got to do there. It was frustrating that um, not very many women spoke English. And I would try really, really, really hard to listen and try to know more about their lives. But I, there was only a little bit of people speaking English. There were uh, quite a lot of children that, in that prison uh, compound. Um, I'm thinking between 40 and 60 it could have been. And um, much later I read in the newspaper that orphanages in India were so uh, bad and dirty that the prison was actually one of the better places that orphanages were kept, orphans were kept. And Indian people did not, um, at that time, wouldn't adopt because they wouldn't adopt a child outside their family. So these children, if ever they were to have been, had been adopted, would have been adopted by foreigners. And um, they were really gorgeous children. And um, actually, I think some of the women there felt they had three meals a day, they had a place to sleep, and for some of them that was better. What I, what I learned was that women in, were mostly in jail for three or four reasons. And there was this love marriage case, and there were women in jail for this. I don't know exactly how that happened, but if they had married or got into a relationship without their parents' will, they could end up in jail. A very common thing was passport case, and that was women from Bangladesh who had come to Calcutta uh, without a passport, and this was, you know, after partition, a lot of Indian women were forced to, a lot of families were broken up, and so people often tried to cross the border to come back to their families or their their properties, and so people were picked up if they didn't have a passport, if they'd come from Bangladesh. And um, Harigachi case, it seems to me, was something like lost, and those would have been street women, and maybe also some women who had, had petty thieves. And then there was six women in the jail who were murder case. And I had talked, I ended up talking to two of them who uh, spoke some English, I guess, and they had both murdered their husbands. And those two women, I remember, uh, were kept mostly in their own, um, uh, own sort of cell, but it was still open to the compound. And it feels to me that one of those women had her daughter 
with her who was free in the compound. Um, I think I got to know um, a woman who was working as a nurse who spoke some English, but they, they took good care of me. I was pretty, pretty not knowing what to do, and the prison eventually um, gave me. I had just had a skirt and a, and a blouse that I bought that I, with me, and they issued me with a prison sari, but no petticoat or, or top, so I'd have, have my bath and then wrap up in this red sari that they gave me, and the women would oil my hair. and. I spent a lot of time with the children, and they were learning Bengali alphabet on slates. And so that's how I learned also to read some Bengali, was learning with the children on the slates. And then I did some juggling for the children and did origami with them. And um, I remember wanting to, to write, just to have some paper and pencil to write. And that was a big request, like something just like paper and pencil there was um, not easy to come by. Things were really poor. But I did get, um, I got, the, the food was pretty, pretty okay, because uh, I was given separate food, that it was like mountains and mountains of white rice and a little bit of, a uh, little bit of curry and um, very white bread sometimes for dinner with some curry. Anyway, it was, it was, it was okay, and there were moments that were hard, um, but it was okay, and it was something I guess I'd sort of asked for. Um, at a certain point, um, then my case came up in trial. I must have gone to see my, my lawyer once or twice, and he brought some money, gave me some money, you know, some rupees that my father had sent $2,000 over to pay for everything, which I didn't know at the time, and he gave me some money from that. So here's a, as an aside. You know, I was really naive and young and confident, um, but my father received a telegram from the State Department, signed by Alexander Haig, that said, and I still have a copy of it somewhere, your daughter is in prison in Calcutta because of her involvement with a communistic and anarchist Ananda Marga. And my, you know, my father, that he just would have flipped. Uh, would have been really, really hard. And he nearly flew to India. Um, he, he got his congressperson to help, and basically they sent some money over and worked with the lawyer. I wasn't so aware of that at the time, but at, after a certain time, it, maybe after seven or ten days, then I was my, my court hearing came up, and I was taken to the to the courthouse, and they just put you in a. Actually, they probably put me. Probably there's a holding cell for prisoners, and they probably. I just remember sitting in kind of a closet that was full of old files and stuff all day, being very bored, and very sort of it was a little distressing and. Uh, I had I had this money that had been given to me, you know, some fifty rupees or something, and I'm thinking what to do. And I, uh, there was some attendant there, and I just got this idea to buy sweets for the women in the prison. Uh, so I sent someone out, and she bought sweets, and I brought them back to the ladies in the prison. And I don't know if they understood, but it was like felt so good to just do something really positive that day. Um, I don't think I knew much about the outcome of anything, and no one talked to me too much. So I came back on the paddy wagon and back to the prison, and I had some more days there, and I remember on a particular day, the women had done my hair in oiled in braids, and the, the children had been given mendipati, that's my recollection of the word, but it's like henna leaves, someone had given them a branch of, of leaves that make the henna paste that dye, that makes the red dye, red on, on your skin or on your hair, and they had um, taken the leaves off and they had pounded it up, and some of the children had asked to put the mendi on my hand, but not very well, just little blobs of red all over my hand, and um, just washing it off, and uh, so I had this sort of blobby red things all over my hand, and uh, 
And then they came and said, you're, you're released now. And so there I was with the Mendy on my hand and hair and braids, and I put on my one set of clothes, and they picked me up and took me to one of the fanciest hotels in Calcutta. It might have been the Calcutta Hilton. I can't remember the name, but it, uh, it was a very fancy hotel. Uh, and so I went straight from the Calcutta Presidency uh, jail to prison to um, one of the fanciest hotels in Calcutta on the Maidan in, in downtown Calcutta on the sixth floor and I was so disoriented that I ordered some Indian food from the um, from room service and then sat on the floor and ate it with my hands. <laughs> uh, late, late that night um, I developed a, an earache um, and I went down to the front desk to see if they <clears throat> could help me with that and I can't remember what they did. I remember them recommending mustard oil but I don't remember if we did that but I ended up talking to the two young guys that were working at the front desk, and they were like, we're all wondering who you are. You came in here with your hair and braids, and you know, this is one of the fanciest hotels, and you were just wearing you know, your one backpack and um, Mendy all over your hands, and we're trying to figure out who you are. And so I told them that I was in Nandamarga, and I'd been persecuted for that. And they said, did you know that your baba stayed at this hotel? And sometime previous, um, I guess before Baba had a place to stay in Calcutta, he had um, actually come, come to that hotel and they remembered him. And uh, those young guys said, one of them said, um, I have a guru who, who would like to meet you because he, he's, he's had some experience with Ananda Marga. Um, so then started a new phase of this uh, wild adventure, which was um, I ended up having two weeks in Calcutta and during that time, many amazing things happened. I was actually on bail. So what happened was that the court case was probably bribes past hands, I would guess. But they ended up giving me a two-week jail sentence because I had violated the Foreigners Act of 1951, which allowed the, Australia, the uh, Indian government to, um, to prohibit foreigners from going to different parts of India. And they had made Baba's house a prohibited place for foreigners, and I had broken that law, and therefore uh, I had to have a, I had to have imprisonment. But they made it a two-week imprisonment, and then I was let out on bail for those two weeks, and that's how that ran through. So I had two weeks that I needed to stay in Calcutta, and I was told, probably in no uncertain terms, that I was to not not visit Baba or any Anandamarga Center during that time. Um, but during those two weeks, a lot of really interesting things happened, and one of them was that. Um, I went, it probably wasn't that first day, but it was this, this young uh, hotel clerk took me across the Maidan, which is a big park in Calcutta, in the middle of Calcutta, um, to the office of his guru, who was also a local doctor. And he was the kind of guru that had, he was, he was a well-respected guy in Calcutta, and he had been before running the Boy Scouts. And he also was the kind of guru that he had many gurus, so he had lots of pictures of different gurus on his walls. But he said, he pulled out, it feels like he pulled out a picture of Baba from his bookshelf. And then he also had, he showed me a garland that was hanging on the wall around some, on a hook or something. He said, we are waiting to see if your Baba is the reincarnation of Krishna or not. And it just turned out that when he had been the head of the Boy Scouts, some years previous, it would have been a fair number of years previous, he 
Baba used to take his field walk in the Maidan there, and he would be there also. And Baba had brought him a garland and invited him to join Ananda Marga. Um, and he would have declined, I guess, because he had another path, or I don't remember that. But uh, Baba, that's when I first uh, saw that Baba had actually done prachar as well. Well, the Calcutta Presidency Jail was right across the street from the Aurobindo Bhavan. So Sri Aurobindo is a spiritual teacher um, who had been who had been a communist, and interestingly. He had been sent to jail, to the Calcutta Presidency Jail, and um, did meditation there, and then uh, decided instead, uh, anyway, had a, had a deep spiritual realization, became enlightened, and became a spiritual teacher. And his, uh, they had a bhavan, which is like an office in Calcutta, which had a beautiful meditation garden, and it was quite near the hotel. And it feels to me that actually there was this first day when I went out even the first day I arrived, uh, I went over there and they were about to organize a tour to the Calcutta Presidency Jail to see the place where Arbindo had had his enlightenment. And I was like, oh, that would be really interesting to go back. Um, and somehow I just missed the, the, the tour bus. I, I was always so disappointed. So it would have been really interesting to see the jail from another perspective. But uh, a few things happened, though. I, I I guess I was going regularly to um, to that garden to do meditation. So in the um, right at the beginning, it feels like it was the very first day that I was there. I was doing meditation in the garden, uh, maybe in the evening, and um, a man was there. And I guess you know people are always interested why is this American woman meditating in the garden here and. So, Stuck up a conversation, struck up a conversation. I explained my story with Ananda Marga, and he said, well, that's amazing that I would meet you here. He said, I, I actually am here because you could see that he was doing some kind of ceremony there. He said, I, I've just completed a book that's just been published, and I've got the first copies, and I'm dedicating them you know, to God here with this ceremony. And the book that I've just written is called Letters from a Husband to a Wife. And I have a copy of that still somewhere. Um, and he said, because um, he gave me a copy, uh, but he said, when I was traveling around India for work, then I wrote letters back to my wife about all kinds of philosophical ideas that I encountered and spiritual teachers that I met. And the very last chapters of my book, I encountered Ananda Marga. And I think he had just read Ananda Marga book or met one monk or Dada or Didi or something. I can't remember what his exposure was. It was limited. But he had thought a lot about it, and he had written several of those, these letters to his wife about the Ananda Marga philosophy. But because it was after the emergency, it was hard to find Ananda Marga. Ananda Marga had been quite in hiding, and he was like, I want to know more, but I don't know how to get in touch with Ananda Marga. I would like to read some more books. So um, I think his name was Mr. Ghosh. I ended up um, not following the orders of my bail, and I did end up going most evenings to the uh, Nandamarga office and seeing Baba. And so I ended up bringing this man like a little stack of books, Nandamarga books, and he was so, so grateful. Well, another thing that happened to the Aurobindo ashram was a similar story. Um, there, there were several old men that ran the ashram, and um, 
they saw me meditating there and they were curious and again I told them the story that I was a margi and they invited them, me in for tea and one of these men um, oh, his name's just, just left my mind but uh, I, I visited him for years and years afterwards when I used to come to Calcutta so he had a story that he had worked in the same railway office as Baba and what he used to say Every time I'd see him, I was like, your Baba can raise the Kunda Kundalini with a single touch of his hand. That's the phrase I remember. Oh, his name is Himangshi Da. Yeah. And he, uh, so it turned out that he, he had known Baba. And he said that Baba came to his place and said, now I am Anandamurti, and invited him to join Anandamarga. And he would say that, you know, with a little bit of, he said, I already had a guru because he was a follower of Aurobindo, so I could not follow your Baba. And then he would, but your Baba can raise the Kundalini with a single touch of his hand. And I'm guessing that was his experience. I don't remember. Anyway, I stayed friends with Himangshu Da, and again I learned that Baba himself had done prachar. Um, after the very first night or second night, I moved out of the Calcutta Hilton and I moved into the YMCA hostel, or YWCA, I don't remember hustle that was just like across the street. And just the other thing that I uh, happened there was that I met um, met a man there who was researching um, child kidnapping, some, something really quite heavy. It seems like it was for a British newspaper or something in, in India. And he recognized me because he had seen me. He had also had some time in jail and he had seen me when I was in the court, or maybe he was reporting, I don't know, but he'd seen me in the courthouse, and he, he also, so when he saw me at the YWCA, he came up to me and said, you know, I saw you um, in, in court, you know, what happened to you, and I ended up telling him my story, and he, he was there doing some big reporting, but he also had heard about Anandamarga, but couldn't figure out how to contact Anandamarga, and he was another person who I gave a lot of Anandamarga books to, and was extremely grateful. So, um, yeah, during that time, I did. I would go over at night and, and get to see Baba going on field walk, and that was that was really nice, also. Um, but eventually, those two weeks ended, and um, I was um, yes, I was actually they gave they gave me back my passport, and I uh, I was just seeing that in, in some notes that I kept I really then was, wasn't supposed to go back to see Baba's house, but I went one more time to see Baba. And then uh, the next day, yeah, flew home. By that time, I was very disappointing for me because I missed the Global Prout Conference in France and um, was just able to fly home not too long before university started again, or college, as you could say, in America. Um, and it was it was quite something to have left that 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 huge experience in India and then start again um, my college experience. And just the final thing I want to say is, you know, I had borrowed money to go and thinking, you know, this is too hard. I'll never have enough money. I'll never be able to go. And, and um, but I, uh, with Mohan's help, I started a little sprouting business called Prout Sprouts uh, in the house I was living, growing sprouts, and was very quickly able to pay back the money for that loan. Thank you, Kamala.